Welcome to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. This is your number one crypto podcast to hear directly from the movers and shakers, innovators and disruptors in the cryptocurrency industry. Follow on Twitter for updates and to communicate directly at Wolf Big Dog. That's at Wolf Big D-A-W-G. Now, now, here is your host, the one and only Big Dog Crypto. Digital Bits is a protocol layer blockchain focused on supporting consumer digital assets. This is inclusive of assets such as loyalty and reward points, branded NFTs, fan tokens, and notably branded stable coins. Find Digital Bits on Twitter at DigitalBitsORG. Digital Bits, making the future happen today. And welcome to the latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. I am your host, Big Dog Crypto, and we have Aubrey Strobel here. Aubrey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. The sun's finally back out in New York after the hurricane, so I, I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, I appreciate you being on. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on in the news in New York right now. Um, let me ask you this. Um, when you first got into crypto, uh, like when you first heard about it, what were you doing? Do you remember like where you were? And what you thought? Uh, it's so hard to pinpoint. I, I remember, you know, the first moment I, I really understood what was happening. But I, I think I had watched a few uh, specials talking about crypto that had come out really, really early. But other than that, it was just conversations that my friends were having. So it was like, like bar conversations. You know, yeah, I've, yeah. I've invested in this, and and I've, and I've gotten into this, and it was just Bitcoin and Ethereum at the time that people were really talking about. Um, and this is back in uh, 2016, 2017. And, um, you know, I thought it was particularly interesting because the people that were investing worked in traditional finance. And so either they were doing this because they just on a gamble or they actually believed in it. And so either way, I, I, was, I was interested and wanted to get involved. And so I um, mm -hmm. bought my first uh, Bitcoin and, and Ethereum back then. And uh, really haven't looked back since. I kind of just jumped right into the job market of I want to work in this industry. I want to grow with it. So it's been it's been a wild ride. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, there's no doubt if you look back at the past few years to where we are now, I mean, you see adoption happening so much more. Um, I want to real quick, you had mentioned New York. As we know, there's a lot going on right now. There's always a lot going on in, uh, in New York. Miami seems to come in the conversation a bit. Do you think there's a certain kind of back and forth right now where people are going back and forth or do you think Miami's trying to kind of like level up? You know what I mean? Like to try, because I mean, New York's New York, right? I mean, financial center. Um, yeah. What do you think about that? The Miami, New York thing? Well, there obviously uh, Florida is a huge tax haven and so is Texas. And so you see conferences like Bitcoin Miami moving there uh, for, I guess, Bitcoin 2021 that was in Miami. Yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. consensus has recently Coindesk's, um, you know, huge event that that happens every year that used to be up actually here in New York is moving to Austin. And so you see people moving out of New York. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with a few things. It has to do with the space that you can have these large events. Um, but it's also because I think people are looking for states that are more crypto friendly and New York, you know, has a bit license and it's not super uh, crypto friendly to a lot of uh, companies. And so people want to yep. do business elsewhere. And so I think, I hope it actually pushes businesses. 
or pushes the government to look at these businesses that are leaving and events that are leaving that usually bring in tourism dollars and money to the city and say, you know, we need to, we need to relook at this and, and maybe not be so stringent on some of these rules and laws. But um, in terms of the community focus, I think the community in New York is actually coming back uh, quite a bit. There's, there's a lot of companies that have come back to New York uh, I think Miami was just like a COVID thing. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of companies, people build down there, but uh, it, it was, people wanted to go somewhere warm, warm during COVID. You know, who doesn't want to go to Florida and live in Miami when you have to be locked down? Like everyone wanted to go there for those reasons, but uh, New York, New York will stay true. And I'm just, I ask and beg our regulators and legislators to do a better job with New York. You know, that's interesting. I think also uh, the fact that we have the space is growing so much. You know, you have enough to where people can go to Miami or, or Austin or New York. So there's no question about that. Um, when you look at crypto, though, and you because I, I always say, like, you know, when I talk to my friends, most of them don't know about it. So like, I mean, some do. Right. But, but most people, they don't know Bitcoin from blockchain. Now, they're learning more now. Dogecoin. Right. People know about that. Yeah. Um, what do you see? And this is maybe kind of kind of an open question, but to get it to where it's adopted, right? By just basically where, where you're going in, right? Whether it's a Starbucks or a local coffee shop, whatever, you know, pay with your code. And I don't just mean particularly Bitcoin, but be all with whatever it may be to where it has absolute mainstream adoption. What would be like the one or two things that you could see, let's say in the next few years that can make that happen? Well, there's two, par two parts of that question. So I guess, what do I say to my friends and how do I see it? Um, how I see it happening? I think it's, sort of already happening right now with the NFT space. And I think that for a while, people were very focused on Bitcoin is money, only Bitcoin is money. And, you know, they're, they're, DeFi had its time and it's it's obviously still having its time, but then NFTs have really broken this space up in a way that's tangible, the way sort of Dogecoin did, um, because there was something tangible in a community that could rally behind it. So it's this like Shiba Inu character dog that people wanted to be a part of and, and for you know people wanted to just like dogs it was they like dogs they wanted to get the, the price to a dollar and they were like one dollar for no reason other than they were just a dollar was just the mindset of the community and when you can rally behind anything and you can get a lot of people online to agree and and, and ape into these projects mm. then yeah it become the the infrastructure the protocol that it's trading on becomes money like eth is money solana is money because there is value here it's utility there is this digital identity that people want to have and so i think um you know if i'm talking to my friends sometimes i i do feel like i you know i'm talking about something that is years and years down the road and they have no idea what what, what i'm talking about uh but i would say you know so much of your identity so much of what is happening in the world has already become so digital and that's that's with your your bank account. Everything's operating. It's not like they're moving the cash back and forth when you're it's not physical cash. It's a spreadsheet. They're just the ledger that they have at the bank that they're you know moving money back and forth. So if we can break away from these ideas that it's not um, it's not so far from where we actually are. We already have digital identities. You already have a Twitter account. What's a digital identity in a community? You know. You play video games and have an identity there. It's just taking sort of a new path mixed in with value of money that it can basically create value out of thin air. And that is the shocking thing that people, I don't think people can wrap their head around because things are moving so fast. It used to be you have to work a nine to five, 
you have to earn, you know, a living. Now you can just create a project on, you know, and put it on OpenSea and people can buy that. And I think it's just the convergence of Web3. A longer version of what I was saying. I was really, I'm basically saying, hey, you know, you know how do we make a, a crypto complete mass adoption? Like, that's like the biggest question you, know, you could ask. So I'm just kind of asking yeah. that. Um, it was just really, I mean, because it's such a, it's a challenging thing to do, but I think the way you said it, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That, that's, you know, that important. But the adoption part is hard because mm -hmm. while it is interesting and people online who are very online right. uh, want to get involved, you have to think about the people on the fringe out, out in, you know, the middle of the U.S. or in the middle of, you know, the world that have never even, like, have access to basic needs so like out of major cities sure yeah 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 well there's just i think there's a breakdown of just classes and so like naturally people who either got in earlier or have more money can sort of have fun with all this stuff but you mm -hmm. still have a greater breakdown and divide of different uh classes and so yeah. i think and and tax brackets and not everyone may be able to experience this sort of renaissance of art or crypto that we're seeing um, the, at the same time that everyone else sees it. So I think that's going to take adoption from a lot of institutions, even though we want to get away from that, it's going to take to get the everyday person and it's going to take adoption and, and approval from people, from companies that the, these people already respect. You know, and, and that's interesting because what you're saying, I mean, that really goes back, go to the early days of the Internet. I mean, you know, it was really, you know, people that were tech, right, savvy were doing it. And so somebody, let's say, you know, on a farm in Idaho, whatever, wasn't messing with just because it wasn't. So I think anytime you have any sort of tech, right, I mean, in, in jump, I wasn't there, I'm saying, but 100 years ago, go back to when, when a, the first car came out, right? Well, most people had buggies and somebody's maybe in New York or LA and they've got a car and it's like, oh, what is that? And I think it always starts somewhere. And, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see it go from the internet where it was maybe in Silicon Valley and that was it. And now, you know, somebody's sitting in, in Zimbabwe and they're on their phone and they're checking, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's pretty wild, but, you know, technology just takes a little while to get to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. And and the thing that I think is pretty interesting now, too, is I, a friend's niece, you know, she's nine years old. She created these NFTs, um, put them on OpenSea and made $20,000. And now she can pay yeah. for part of her college education yeah, That's yeah. Something that we've never seen before. You, I mean, you have to go mow lawns or do a lemonade stand outside. There was no like shortcut to wealth or, or sort of creating if someone wanted to buy it and so this act the access points to have creators come through no matter what age no matter where they live is something that we've never seen before um and it's it's true truly like revolutionary what we're seeing in real time here and, and yes it does sort of trickle down sometimes with the the, the one percent and then it kind of goes down to everyone else but in many ways, I think this time around, you are seeing different uh, demographic groups, different age groups get involved uh, earlier than perhaps in the past. Well, when it comes to that and people getting involved, you've talked about NFTs. Um, obviously, it's growing so much. Um, one of the things that, that I like to say, I mean, with NFTs, artists and stuff, right? Back in the day that, that didn't, weren't able to track their stuff or get their royalties, whatever. I mean, you, you're talking about blockchain, right? You can trace all of that. So when you look at NFTs, and once again, a two-part question, how do you explain it to John Doe on the street that says, you know, Aubrey, I don't know what an NFT is, okay? How do you explain it? And then what do you see as the future, particularly like in the next 12 months? How do you see them evolving 
be more of a benefit. I mean, they're a benefit now, right? How do you see them evolving more? Okay. Uh, when I explain it, and I just did this with my family up in Flagstaff, Arizona, and my aunts and uncles, and trying to explain it in the easiest way possible, but it's just it's just ownership um, that's stored in a, a particular place of, 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 of anything. You can make, that could be music, that could be a photo, that could be a video, um, and really, you can really make anything in an NFT um, and give someone direct ownership of that specific thing, um, and you can make it one of one or one of many. And that gives people the verification that there is no, uh, you know, the, of the same whatever media right. form that you have. Um, and so why it's valuable is, is sort of like what I said earlier, that we've already created this digital identity. Would anyone sell their Twitter account that had a ton of followers the next day? Like, what is the value in that? There is this value um, to be created, especially in art. Um, where, where artists never had that before. So being able to, and one of my favorite stories is the people pleaser story of who created the cover of fortune. You know, she was let go from a job, couldn't, couldn't really figure out what to do during the COVID era when people don't have jobs. What an amazing thing that these creators and artists can create things, put them on a marketplace such as OpenSea and create value, create a living for themselves. And, you know, our starving artists things, hopefully it would be a joke of the past. If, if your art's good and there's somewhere that values it, you know, you can make money. So I think this idea of value and this construct, we need to keep looking at and realizing that value is just what anyone's willing to pay for at any given time. So, I, but I think we have these preconceived notions of like art needs to be in a certain way and music, my CD, you know, whatever, my track, my album yeah. needs to be a certain way, but no, we're restructuring these things that used to be broken and giving you better access to it. So um, I, I think you're going to see a lot of the creators come in and, and people want to be creators. People want to make their own content and they want to be able to be an entrepreneur and be able to sell that. And I think that this wave that NFTs are providing is going to lead that into the future. You think about the market of YouTube, um, you know, TikTok, all of these different channels, it's going to find a new home in NFTs. So especially because people love merch from their fans, they like, they're, they're, there's so many things you can do with it. It's, it's, it's endless. Yeah, look, there's no doubt. Now, let me ask you this. Would you pay $60 million for a painting, an NFT? $60 million? Yeah, for the like, people. If I had yeah. the free 60 mil sitting around for that piece, probably not, but... I did, there's a piece that people did recently that I really loved. Uh, uh, he, he puts out some amazing art. Um, so it, it's not out of the, it's not out of the, you know, possibilities, okay. possibilities, but uh, not for that piece. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, I hear you. So, okay, so with Lolly now, I know you've been with them. How long have you been with them? And, and please tell, like, what do they do exactly? Because I follow them, follow them on Twitter, um, you know, seeing the tweets, seeing their tweets, seeing your tweets. Um, what do they do exactly? Yeah, so Lolly is, I've been there uh, okay. over two years now, which is crazy because time really does fly. Uh, sure. Crypto and, and it feels like I just started, but it also feels like a long time. And we are a Bitcoin rewards company. We give people free Bitcoin when you shop online. So very similar to Rakuten or Honey, if you've ever seen browser extensions like that. Uh, yeah. You can talk them over a thousand merchants, brands like Gap. Macy's, Nike, Adidas, uh, you can buy groceries, anything that you're doing online or even physically, you can find it on Lolly 
and you can buy it online and earn Bitcoin back and sort of start passively earning Bitcoin. It's a way that you don't have to go to an exchange like Coinbase or Gemini or Kraken. You can just earn um, on everyday purchases, things you're doing every day. So it's a way to sort of bring Bitcoin into people's everyday lives. As we've seen these waves of adoption, you know, there was a large mining wave in the beginning and then buying on exchanges. And there's this third wave, which is through earning. Um, and so it's just, how do we make adoption better for people? Because not everyone wants to, everyone sees themselves as like an investor, but everyone shops. And so if you shop, then you should be able to earn. Um, yeah. How did you want to started with them? So actually, I had a friend that was at bar school that had connected me with Alex. I guess had been friends with Alex and said, "You really need to take this call with Alex Edelman. He's building something amazing." And I had been working on crypto projects for a long time, so kind of understand what's a winner and what's a loser pretty quickly. And when I heard to talk to Alex on the call and he pitched me the idea of Wally, I knew it was a winner immediately. And I pitched him my vision for it and how it should be a larger media company. And we've we've built that out so far, and we have you know over three hundred fifty thousand users on Lolly today, which is great. Um, and we're U.S. only right now, but we're planning to expand internationally and hopefully get everyone in through earning and, and be become a larger, you know, sort yeah, of a right. larger exchange. Bro, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, how do you for, for for new people in the space, and I and you've been in the space for a while, so I always like to ask guests, uh, ones especially that have experience, and you have experience. Um, how do you recommend somebody? Let's say you just got into crypto this week, and they want to learn about stuff, right? Now you know you got videos, you got podcasts, you have Twitter. What would you recommend to somebody that says, "Look, you know what? I want to learn about it." Where are like the avenues you would tell them to start researching to learn about crypto? So um, I used to tell people to read the Bitcoin standard, but I think that takes too much time, to be honest. Um, and it, it, But it, it does articulate why monetary systems in the past historically have failed. And I think that's the most important part of the book because it's not really advocating necessarily in the first half for Bitcoin, but it's uh, showing and poking holes in why money has failed different countries, governments, and systems in the past. And so I, I usually lead them to articles such such as that, that, that maybe condense it into a, a shorter form because uh, as as you know, not everyone can get into Austrian economics, you know, on their Tuesday right. or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. so um, and th there's a few podcasts that I like, but a lot of the podcasts in crypto are obviously interview mm -hmm. viewing based. And so I think there's a huge need for education. I know a few uh, people that are actually launching educational platforms. Um, you can go on to a Coinbase and you can earn and learn. There's things like that that you can do. Um, but if you want short form content, I honestly, YouTube and TikTok, even though you're, you kind of have to suss out for yourself and do your own research on those things, you can kind of get the condensed versions of those things. But if you're looking for a larger, longer form, I would just say read the first half of Bitcoin standard because then you see why Bitcoin was needed in the first place. Um, and the, honestly, the white paper, uh, uh, the Bitcoin, if you can stomach the Bitcoin white paper, it's not that long. Um, re read that as well and, and, and try to get a little bit of an understanding of why uh, Satoshi created it. I definitely could agree with that. Definitely could. A um, couple last crypto questions. Um, do you see Ethereum at any point, even for a day, flipping Bitcoin? 
Um, <laughs> yeah, I was curious, yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say um, not anytime soon. Um, but, you know, you can't deny that Ethereum has its problems and um, I, I, but it is money. And um, if this space, if this NFT space continues to grow and evolve, uh, it could get close, but I don't think it's going to happen. Okay. And uh, this fall, do you want to give a Bitcoin price prediction? I mean, I like asking people that. Some people are like, oh, I'm going to tell you what I think it is of the dollar. So I don't want to get it. You know, my thing is, look, you know, I tell them, like, when I give you my price prediction, take what I give you. Take three bucks and you go get a cup of coffee, right? So I mean, it's 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 a, it's a guess a lot, but but do you want to guesstimate a range for all time high this year? So I I have given some really bullish numbers earlier in the year um, yeah. that I probably would change right now. So I'm I actually think there's going to be a rally. There was you know last year we saw we saw in 2017. Um, and just the chaos, of like the like the chaotic year that we've had, there's no doubt that Bitcoin's gonna pull something out of the year. I feel it. Um, so I'm gonna go top one one twenty. Okay. Uh, I think it could rally that high. Lowest one one hundred. Okay. Yep. I, I I could I could agree with those figures. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um and let me ask you so on a personal side, what is the like your favorite country you've been to and what's the number one country or number two country that you want to go to at some point? Okay. Number one country I've been to. Um, that, that's hard. I, I was trying to prepare for this. Um, I, okay. Uh, it's hard. I've spent a lot of time in Ireland, but it just yeah. rained so much there. Like I, I lived there for a bit work, working in crypto yeah. um, and it just rained too much. I love Paris. I love what Paris looks like. I like France um, and I would like to go back and explore it more. Um, but the next country I want to go to is probably like Montenegro, Portugal, something that's a yeah. little bit off the beaten path in Europe that people haven't really gotten to yeah. out of the tourist areas and just see different yeah. ways. I heard Croatia is also very pretty. So those are my next, I think those are my next places on the list. Those are all great countries. And I tell you they're crypto, they like crypto in those countries too. There's no question <laughs> about that. You know, big yeah. time. So, and then, uh, and then food wise, what, what, what's your favorite food? If you have, if you have a choice, if you're at a restaurant, what's your favorite food? If it's death row, my last meal that I ever eat, it's probably my mom's. Okay. Or is it just a no normal day? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I if, if, if your mom cooking and then if you have your choice of food anywhere, like, you know, what, what would you say your two choices? Okay. If my mom's cooking, it's my mom's, uh, it's my mom's spaghetti. Okay. That's the last, that's the last meal I'm going to have. Yeah. And going out here in New York, well, I guess it's also probably Italian, but I, I have a really soft spot for Mexican food as I'm from Arizona and, and New Mexico area. So I grew up and I actually just recently found a restaurant down the street that does New Mexican cuisine. So that's my next spot that I'm going to go to and try out. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. So, okay. So look, how can people find you on Twitter? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Aubrey Strobel and follow Try Lolly too. It's at T-R-Y-L-O-L-L-I. Um, and then we're also on Instagram, TikTok, 
uh, Facebook, literally every single website you can think of, you can find us and follow us there. Um, and we also have a really good deals account, Lolly Deals, um, where you can find the best Bitcoin back deals on a lot of different products. If you're looking for things specifically, uh, follow that as well. It's at Lolly Deals. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate it. Well, Aubrey, look, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate Great. it. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. This is the one. latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto uh, Podcast, Aubrey Storble. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Follow on Twitter at WoofBigDog. WoofBigDawg. And run faster than the competition. Woof, woof.